We're discussing CIO strategy and priorities with two top experts. I do a lot of work helping organizations with their transformation programs. We do a lot of work around agile and DevOps product management and data analytics and AI. We have a star CIO agile planning program that helps organizations develop their agile culture. And I do a ton of writing on my blog, uh, blogs.starcio.com, InfoWorld and other sources. Our second expert today is Tim Crawford. Thanks, Michael, for having me. It's great to be here again on CXO Talk, and especially with both you and, and Isaac uh, talking about this really important subject. So I'm Tim Crawford. I'm a CIO and strategic advisor with Avoa. And the nature of the work I do is, is really kind of more of a CIO at large. So a lot of assessments, uh, executive coaching, uh, helping folks through their transformation journey. And like Isaac, I do a fair amount of writing and speaking and just working with really smart folks. Uh, so I'm hoping to learn as much as I'm hoping to share what I've learned through the process. Now, a quick thank you to Productive, a SaaS management platform that unlocks the power hidden in your SaaS applications to bring you higher ROI, better team collaboration, and lower license costs. Tim, we're talking about this idea of a transformational CIO. We've spoken about it in the past. So give us a quick rundown. What do we mean by that? You're, you're the first person to have used that term that I'm aware of. The transformational CIO has changed and it hasn't changed. You know, fundamentally, the difference between the traditional CIO and the transformational CIO is that the traditional CIO is more focused on back office, technology focus, uh, and they've centered their organization in that way. The transformational CIO, on the other hand, is far more business focused. And what that means is that they have stronger relationships with the rest of the C-suite, including the CEO, um, the CEO being probably one of the closest relationships that they have, if not their direct report. But it's also understanding how technology fits into the mix to achieve those business objectives. And so that's a really important distinction here is that integration between business and technology. It's not just technology and being reactive, but rather being proactive as part of that C-suite. I would say, you know, having that digital mindset is really about growth and understanding where the industry is going, where markets and where customers are going. So the transformational CIO is talking to customers, is learning about prospects. They're really outgoing and learning about what's happening in other industries. They're bringing a lot of agile capabilities into their organization, not just in IT, but bringing it to other parts of the organization so they're collaborative. And in terms of technology, you know, they're really looking at the scope of the business through a digital lens. And what that means is, you know, technology is changing so rapidly. Uh, we're getting new capabilities from application development to edge to analytics and AI. And so getting a sense of what needs to change when is a really important part of the transformational CIO. Why are we even having this conversation? If we were talking about any other position any other leadership position in business, it would be fairly obvious that the person needs to understand in depth and detail the business. Why, why are we giving the CIO kind of a, a pass to even think about not doing that? The first thing is you have to kind of look at the anthropology of IT. And when you do that, when you look at the history of IT, 
it really kind of speaks to an organization that was taking a really complicated problem, business problem, and solving it. And so as you've gone through the decade since the, the start of IT, kind of through the evolution of IT, we never really kind of came back and, and reconnected with the business in, in the ways that we really needed to. And so that demand has been growing over time. It's not that it went away. It's just that we could get away with not having a really strong connection between the two. Now, fast forward to today, and that connection absolutely must be there. It's been growing even before the pandemic hit us. I know we'll talk a little bit about that, but even before the pandemic, the demand to connect technology and business together in a meaningful way has been increasing. And the CIO absolutely has to lead that charge. But that's been one of the problems is that we've been able to kind of wiggle our way through this and and make it work for some period of time. The pandemic has really kind of brought a spotlight to the need to make that connection a solid line rather than a few steps removed. I think, you know, part of this is also that's different is that the CEO and the board and really, you know, the CIO's colleagues want the CIO's input. I don't know if that was always the case five to seven years ago, but they want the CIO to really explain the art of the possible in language that they can understand. And they want them to do it in a way that is executable, right? We don't want to hear about some far future cognitive AI if it's not relevant and if it's not executable by the group. And so that CIO is there to explain it, to sell it at times, to get buy-in, to think through what parts of the organization need to transform first and sooner, uh, where there's disruptive factors that might impact business, where there's some opportunities. And so, you know, it's it really has become a two-way street. It's not just the CIO really stepping up. It's really the CEO and the board and their colleagues, the, the, uh, the SLTs, to come back and say, look, we need the CIO to own parts of this transformation program. You're absolutely right, Isaac. And I, I will take it a step further and say that the rest of the organization outside of IT has been increasing in terms of their needs and reliance on technology. And to some degree, they've tried to do it themselves, but they've quickly realized the complexity of doing that. And it really kind of takes them afield and out of their wheelhouse. And so it's really been adding pressure to that of the role of the CIO. And we talk about the CIO, but realistically, for those listening, it could be any role that is the senior most person in IT. It doesn't necessarily have to be someone that holds that CIO title. So the importance that I would uh, amplify there that Isaac just said is it's become a two-way street. The executive team knows that they can't just keep IT in a box and it's, it's far removed. It has to be part of your core program to survive today and moving forward. So what are the practical implications of this for the CIO role and for CIOs that are thinking forward into the next year? Continual evolution of the digital operating model within IT is really important, right? So how do you build collaborative practices that bring ops and dev together, that bring data technologists and data scientists with the dev teams together uh, that really educate um, the business on how to be an active stakeholder or an active product manager or a product owner. I mean, there's an entire collaboration that needs to happen for, you know, the CIO to be successful. 
also thinking about you know the skills and the leadership qualities of their staff of the organization itself. You know, the CIO doesn't do this work by themselves. Most of my interactions tend to be with secondary reports, sometimes even tertiary reports to a CIO, that their roles are expanding, right? They're expected Mm -hmm. to have business acumen. They're expected to negotiate with stakeholders around scope or to take on a transformational program. Or, you know, how does the CIO work with their staff on communications? You're going to start with a whole new set of programs, a whole new set of initiatives, and how do you educate the organization around what the uh, what the strategy is, what the roadmap is? And so we're getting, you know, you listen to what I'm saying. I'm talking about communications. I'm talking about marketing, selling, collaborative. This is not, you know, sitting and coding. It's not looking at service desk tickets. This is really being a part of the business and saying how to make technology work together. You have to understand the business operations at its core. You have to understand how the company makes money, how it spends money. And I know that that I've said that before, and I know that sounds super simplistic, but it's actually not. It's really kind of getting into the bowels of how your company engages with its customers, which then leads to how you drive customer engagement, how you're engaging with your customers, how that's changing. Because remember, all of this is evolving and changing over time. A business is a living organism. It's not a, it's not a structure that you build once and you're done and you just keep uh, multiplying it as part of scale. But rather, this is an organization that has to evolve and change over time. And so the CIO needs to think about how they can play a role in that, whether it's organization, culture, process, technology, All of these pieces have to come into play, whether you're talking about the customer engagement end of it or the business operations. And both of those are incredibly critical, especially today. Arsalan Khan takes some issue with with a couple of the things being said here because he points out, he's, he's on Twitter now, and he points out that he says, okay, so we want the CIO to be transformational, but still the majority of companies don't even include CIOs in their annual reports as a key executive. And so how do you, so in a way, are you guys talking about like a a kind of theory of an ideal world? This is where, you know, I've talked about this in the concept of the three-legged race. And there are three components that have to move forward as part of this evolution. We're focused on the CIO maybe as part of this conversation, but the rest of the IT organization also needs to come along in this transformation journey. But there's a third piece to this in this three-legged race, and that's the rest of the company and how it perceives the role of the CIO and the role of the IT organization. And this fundamentally comes back to the relationships that the IT leader has with the rest of the C-suite and the value that they're executing on in terms of providing that direct business value to achieve those business objectives. If there's a disconnect between those, you're absolutely right. You're not going to, as a CIO, you're not going to get invited to that table. You're not going to be seen as another C-suite executive. However, if you are delivering on those objectives and you are focused at the business level and you do have those strong relationships, not only will you be working at the C-suite level like the rest of your peers and the title that you hold, but you'll also be engaging more regularly with your board of directors. And that's another piece to this that has to be understood. But you don't just get a seat at the board table either. This is where relationships 
are where it starts. If you do not have a good relationship with your CEO, for example, you will not get invited to the board meeting. That is your doorway to the board. And so, again, kind of back to what Isaac was saying earlier, this is less about technology and more about everything else and the soft skills. And so we have Mm -hmm. to think about where our focus is. Isaac, what are the practical implications, again, for CIO strategy? There's a bit of a continuum right now in terms of how different businesses in different industries view the strategic needs around technology uh, and how they view the CIO and how they view IT. You know, so, you know, and, and so it doesn't come overnight. It comes through a crisis. It comes through opportunities. But, you know, the one thing the CIO can do to help themselves is when you develop business acumen and you can ask questions from a business perspective, when you can challenge people's thinking, when you can bring solutions and then express what the problem is and what impact it's going to have on the organization. You know, when you can do that continuously without getting under people's skin in a way that gets people to think differently, right? And do it in a way that gets the CEO thinking differently. Then CEO is going to slowly start saying, I want to understand what this person is saying. You know, this is not about shifting jobs to the ones that really want CIOs that are transformational. You know, we're all in our roles to make our roles successful. And so, you know, part of that is using that acumen to ask questions, challenge the status quo, bring solutions in. And I think that's a a big role for CIOs today. The one thing that I'll add to what Isaac said, everything he said, plus in business terms, So when you have that conversation, you must have that conversation in business terms. Do not bring up technology terms. Do not bring up the jargon. Bring up business terms. How are you going to engage at a business level? And that is the start. So the the language, the relationships, the way you approach it, what you prioritize and why you prioritize it, all of those factors come into play. And that helps you derive your strategy, which in turn helps you decide how your organization should be structured, how your processes should evolve. And let's face it, if you kind of fast forward to today, take all of this and and put it in today's language, the reality is what you were doing a year ago is up for grabs. It's totally different today. And that's something that that I think we have to take a, a really hard look at is how has it evolved and how, and again, it comes back to starting with the business, starting with understanding what your business is, how your customers are evolving, and then going from there. We have a very, very fundamental question from Wayne Anderson on Twitter. And, and Wayne, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically what he's saying is, does being a transformational CIO have some sort of major business impact? Or to put it another way, why should we care about this? If you're going to the board and you're going to the CEO and you're coming to them with opportunities to reduce risk or to remove efficient, you know, make things more efficient or bring technology in to automate processes, I mean, those are, quite frankly, they're table stakes. I mean, they're things that are just expected of CIOs. They're what CIOs have traditionally done. So when you get that chance to voice things, you need to be talking about growth. You need to be talking about customer experience around where market opportunities exist. You really need to talk about where data and analytics can become a strategic advantage, 
right? So it's not just, you know, you know, bring ideas to the table. It's where you are willing to put your name against something that's in an area that the CEO cares about. You know, the CEO expects you to do some of these other things. The key here is if you kind of boil it down, companies that compete with one another will ultimately be decided on how they use data and how they use technology. I mean, that, that sounds pretty dramatic, but I think that we actually will start to see that as we go forward. The two competing companies, the way that they define success versus failure is who's able to use data and technology in a more meaningful way to do three things. And those three things kind of come, again, I have these little, these little things, t- tools that I use. I call it the turn-in concept, but it's three focus areas. And to Isaac's point, these are the focus areas of the executive team of the CEO, which is business growth or revenue growth. The second is customer engagement. And the third is operational efficiency. And so if you are focused on those three, and this is actually one of the differentiators between a traditional CIO and transformational CIO, traditional CIO being focused on operational efficiency, transformational CIO also being focused on customer engagement and revenue growth, it's a huge differentiator. It changes the game and it also helps you see the path that is going to differentiate your company from your competition. And that is really important, especially in this day and age. Yeah, and if I, if I had to add a fourth wheel in here, it's about just pure business and technology agility, right? You know, the things that are different about the CIO role is the rules of the game tend to change you know, sometimes slowly, sometimes, you know, there's market forces. You look at what's happening in different industries that hit, you know, media over a period of the, uh, about a decade from 1990 to about 2000 in terms of the impact of the web. But now it's happening in financial services. You think about the impacts of technology that happened in waves of three to five years. That changes the role of the CIO changes the rules that we can play with. And then you hit some really harsh impacts like a pandemic where everybody overnight is working from home and everybody's looking at you and saying, how are you getting our work done more efficiently? So, I mean, that's a big part of the CIO role is just having the entire organization in a form of agility that when something is abrupt like a pandemic or something is happening gradually, that you have the tools, the processes, the leadership, the collaboration, the principles in place place that people can react to it and sometimes be proactive about uh, the things that are coming down for that particular company. And we have a very interesting question from Twitter, very important one. Shahid Masood says, CIOs are overseeing multiple projects in high pressure environments. How do they deliver projects on time when there are competing priorities, especially in this pandemic situation? And how does a CIO balance keeping the, their time between keeping the lights on and strategy and innovation? I've written about this a few times. And, you know, I don't know of a single organization that expects from, you know, technology and expects data and analytics and does a terrific job of prioritization. There's always higher demand from IT and from data scientists than what these companies can provide. And so this is really starts with the dialogue the CIO is having 
with the with their board, with their organization, and then also, you know, when they start talking about uh, their direct reports, thinking through, you know, what is really that most important strategic initiatives that are going to drive transformation, and having a real conversation around that. Um, then using getting tactically, getting in using agile processes to negotiate around scope, but also being very good at executing on time. I always tell people, if you hit your timeline and if you hit your quality, but I have to negotiate on scope with you, then that's a a two-way conversation that we should be able to have. Uh, We want to be able to get things to market faster. We want to be able to get feedback because so much of what we're doing today is both impacting employees, it's impacting customers. And so instead of trying to get the scope 100% right, let's get it out to market a little bit faster, make sure it's good enough quality, and then being able to get feedback for us to get a better set of priorities going forward. It's a tough role. And serving as a CIO is both a privilege and an honor. But at the same time, it's an incredibly tough place to be. And so you have to get into that mode of understanding what the table stakes are. You have to execute on those first and foremost. If you don't do that right, the rest won't matter. Nobody will be focusing on anything above that. You have to get those fundamental pieces right. End of story, full stop. Once you get past that, once you get those fundamental pieces, and kind of to to Isaac's point, this is a team sport. This is not an individual sport. You have an organization for a reason, and you need to bring that organization along. You need to help them be as successful as you want to be successful, because if they're not, you won't be. And so it's important to get those table stakes underfoot. Once you do that, then start looking at the opportunities to engage from a business perspective. The first thing I would do is just ask yourself, where can I provide the greatest value the quickest? So speed comes into play, value, business value, forget about technology value, just saying that you can do something faster or you can become more flexible in doing it, that's not going to cut it anymore. You have to have some tangible outcome in the work you do. And there has to be very clear line of sight in doing it. Start there. Show that you can execute on that, that your team can execute on that, and it will grow from there. You will end up with, from experience, you'll end up with more resources than you know what to do with. And so that's a great place to be, but you have to do it in a meaningful way. And you have to be mindful of what the rest of the organization is doing. If you're not in tune with the rest of the organization, you could be thinking, okay, I'm aligned in a certain way. But now I'm way off in the distance and the company went over this way. And especially in this day and age where we're changing on a dime multiple times every week, um, it's incredibly important to stay in tune with that. Wayne Anderson says, how does a transformational CIO adjust to a defensive market like we're in today? What changes in the role in the thinking when the market is struggling? You know, it comes back to your perspective, your your lens that you're looking through. I would look look at it as sure there are aspects that are defensive, but I think this is the greatest opportunity for CIOs and businesses to employ technology. You know, the, being able to bring data into the mix, um, we haven't been able to do that in a meaningful way in the past. We should have, but now more than ever, let's do that. The second thing is. 
you can actually start taking risks today that you couldn't take a year ago. Now with our business down, now is the time to take these big bets. And if something goes sideways, number one, people are giving out hall passes. They're going, you know what? We're all dealing with the pandemic. It's okay. You know, just kind of get things together and, and learn from it and move on. If that same kind of, of going sideways event were to happen a year ago or a year from now or two years from now when things have started to recover, you're not going to get that luxury. You're not going to have that ability. So now is the time to kind of double down on accelerating those innovations and finding ways to put yourself in an in an offensive position as opposed to a defensive position. I think there are opportunities across the industries to do this, whether it's education, oil and gas, healthcare, financial services, high tech, all of them have opportunities to do this. And the transformational CIO is the linchpin to be able to move that forward. I think you are looking for places to be offensive, particularly in down markets. You know, think about yourself and your needs have changed dramatically from a year ago. You know, and even in a B2B world, their needs have changed dramatically. So it's almost like a big record scratch, right? Everything that was, you know, what our source of belief in terms of what was important changed back in March, and that creates opportunity. So it's not just a defensive matter, it's an offensive matter. And also the rules of operating have changed, right? This, you know, we talked a year ago about this time, we would have never guessed the shift to a remote work link. And the organizations that are figuring that out faster, they're figuring out how to use collaboration tools, how to be innovative during this period of time, they're gonna get some edges over everybody else. So. Yep perfect time to really stretch what you're doing. You have to do it in an empathetic way where people are going through different situations. You know, so, you know, there was a question earlier about portfolio and demands. You really have to be smart about how many different things you're assigning to teams and people uh, and be very uh, selective about the projects you go after. But you can really get an advantage when people can work remotely and have fewer distractions that they were having in their offices. Ben Haynes, who we all know as a CIO, and he's been on this show several times. Ben is saying, when you talk about a transformational CIO, it seems like a simplistic term because it doesn't, there's no implication of being forward thinking and business driven. Transformation simply means changed. Oh, I've moved from on-prem to the cloud. You know, let me pat myself on the back. And so what about that? That it's dimension? not. It's not, you know, we, we only have so much time to to talk about what it is and what it isn't. But the reality is the transformational CIO is an incredibly complicated being. And it's a being that, and a culture and a, a person that's evolving over time. It's not where you go from A to B and you're done. It's A to B to C to C prime to D to D prime to E to F to Z to R to S to B. M, you're, you're having to jump around that just like our business changes, you know, I go back to what I was saying earlier about the organization needs to be organic. It needs to evolve. So does your thinking as an IT leader. And so the transformational CIO understands that, but understands that, you know, the, like we talk about the new normal, 
there won't be any one new normal. There will be a collection of them and they will evolve over time and evolve again and again and again. And so it's really a changing of the mindset. And yes, we boil it down to try and, and communicate it. But the reality is all of the traits, if you were to kind of map out each of the different traits, it's an incredibly long list. And I know Ben knows that, but um, for those that are listening, it is a complicated conversation to have. Ben is one of the top CIOs I know out there. And, and he's, he's right. Look, if you look at anything that you're trying to do as a CIO, and it's taking something you do today and only in targeting to make it work better, it's probably not transformational. That's no. just a transition from, you know, one efficiency to a, another efficiency, you know, one set of problems probably to a new set of problems. You know, that transformational CIO, we, when Tim and I are talking about growth and customers and data, it's because you're changing the rules by which the organization is behaving and what you're going after, right? Yep. And, you know, it, it's, it's hard to explain it in words, but, you know, look at, you know, the you know, if you're just shifting to e-commerce and you're a brick and mortar, okay, so you have a new sales channel and you have a new way to market it, right? When you're engaging with customers in a completely different way and you're offering a different set of service, you're selling services instead of products, you're doing subscription models against those products. Now you have a whole customer service and retention angle against that. You have to sell that very differently. You have to be able to measure the engagement level of your customers through a subscription model. Those are game changers, right? Uh, you might be a brick and mortar company and now part of your model includes offering technology or selling some of your data back to them in anonymous ways. Those are game changers, right? So that's what we're talking about when we're thinking transformation. And when you're thinking a few down years down the road, you know, part of that role of the CIO is, you know, any label and technology is going to have tens, hundreds, or thousands of choices, Right? Do you build something on a public cloud or you do it in the private cloud? Do you do it with a partner? Do you do it with cultivating the skill set internally? Do you use a low-code platform? There's, you know, picking those choices in a way that become sustainable platforms that you can continue to do agile and oriented um, improvements. These are the things that the CIO has to do some of that prediction through and say, this is where the market's going. That's why I'm putting my bet here. One quick thing on that, and then Michael, I'll turn it back to you. That one quick thing on that is it's not just that the CIO is doing that, mm -hmm. it's that they have developed an organization around them that can also do that. And that is just as important as them being able to do it. And Elizabeth Shaw has a great question. She says, how does a transformational CIO define the right kind of innovative strategy given the constraints that most companies are dealing with. And I think that this is important because it gets right to the heart of how do you manage the day-to-day -day realities of the grind of IT and still be transformational and still invest in innovation? Constraints are really important. I mean, I think that's what drives innovation. And I think that's what drives competitiveness within the group, right? If you have an open checkbook, you know, you're buying lots of things and probably not getting value out of it. 
I think, you know, part of innovation when you're under constraints is how do you extend the walls of IT outside of IT? So when we talk about, you know, self-service data capabilities or citizen development programs, a lot of that is saying, you know, it's really about the impact that technology makes and how the IT group um, enables that, but doesn't necessarily mean all the solutions and the innovation have to be built and managed in IT. You know, I think constraint is good. I had the opportunity to work for an organization, unlike most IT orgs where you are constrained by budget, this particular organization, I was not constrained by budget. I had more money than I knew what to do with. And I will say that that is actually um, a worse problem to have than the constraint because it causes you and your organization to stop thinking and making decisions in smart and clever ways. I think especially right now where companies are trying to preserve cash. They're trying to cut spend as much as possible, right? We have to think about more clever ways to to manage IT, but it's also forcing us to get more innovative and where we place our bets. So we have to think more clearly on what is that direct connection? How can we make every dollar count or every euro count or whatever currency that you work in? How can you make every piece of work that you do really count the most. And that causes you to focus and make decisions in a very different way. And Shelley Lucas tosses up two separate issues. Let's take them in turn. Number one, the role of cybersecurity in the transformational CIO's offensive agenda in a defensive market. Cybersecurity is so complicated and it's on the minds of every board member um, now more than ever. I mean, risk is something that has to be managed. You have to take the offensive on it. You absolutely do, especially as we pushed people to work from home, running on networks that we don't manage, running on equipment that don't have standard configurations. I mean, there there is a reckoning day coming for us and we all know it. Those of us that are in the, the trenches, we know it. Um, we have to get aggressive with it and we have to be smart about where we spend the dollars to do it. If you were to just bring in a whole bunch of tools and cobble them together, that's not going to solve it. Um, if anything, it'll it'll cause you to head for bankruptcy. But I think you do have to take an offensive measure. And there are a lot of strategies, uh, a lot of thinking around how to take those strategies and apply them. Isaac, Shelley Lucas also raises the issue of customer experience, which is a topic that you and Tim spoke about a few minutes ago. So the role of customer experience in the transformational CIO. It starts with um, being, uh, you know, developing who your customer is and your segments and your personas and partnering with parts of the business that have a vested interest in this. Usually it's a product group or a marketing group. I think a key area for the CIO is around measurement being able to illustrate where customers are experiencing product. And I think, you know, projects like customer 360 projects are really important around that. But ultimately, it's around providing a mechanism for capturing feedback, doing an experiment, finding out what the impact is with the customer, and then readjusting your strategy around it. 
Shahid Masood asks, organizational transformation or digital transformation involves culture change. Beside managing the technology change, how can we manage this cultural change effectively to help staff embrace new technologies and processes? You know, legacy is one piece you have to think about. First and foremost, start with business transformation. Never start with digital transformation. If you're starting with digital transformation, that's a fool's errand. You have to think about how your business is evolving and use that as your North Star. From there, you start to understand, as I said earlier, how you can align the decisions you make and the strategies you put in place for IT and your organization can align with that business transformation. Now you can start to determine how processes, how organizations, how the culture needs to change, um, how the people need to change. Some of those folks are along for the ride. Some of those folks will come with you. They will evolve. But you have to be realistic and understand that there are some folks in your organization that they will not come for the ride. And that's a tough conversation to have, but it's a reality that we all have faced as leaders. And so you have to do that kind of parsing exercise to find the right alignment and the right organization to carry you into the future. But it starts with having a vision that is clear, aligns with your business, and aligns with where the customer is headed, and that people really understand it in their terms. Arsalan Khan says, so the nature of the CI of a CIO's work has shifted from traditional CIO to transformational slash consultative. Is the next phase to be CEO since most companies are trying to call themselves tech companies now? So Isaac, thoughts on that? It takes a very special set of skills to go from a leadership position in IT to be a seeing, being a CIO. And the same thing is true from going from a CIO to a CEO. But if you have that growth mindset, if you understand your industry very well and you understand what customers are looking for, you develop that board relationship. And that is where that potential can come from, right? It comes from really understanding growth and customers. What advice do you have for CIOs today moving into early next year dealing with all the stuff that we're dealing with and how to maintain and be a transformational CIO in the face of all of these obstacles and what are the opportunities? It's about focus right now and focusing on fewer things, but executing them well. You know, we're not trying to spin up innovation labs for the sake of innovation. We're not trying to take a 2,000-person IT group and spread them across 200 initiatives. Pick the ones that are truly going to drive growth, customer experience, and data and analytics, and execute them well. I think that's one big part of it. And then also to follow up to an earlier question, you know, to really get more people in the organization changing behavior and changing their practices, focus on learning, right? The job people are doing today is going to evolve dramatically over the next few years. And so if you're an IT stuck on a technology or if you're in business and stuck on a certain business process, learning and pushing learning is a great way for people to expand and look at different ways from a different lens. Let's get really pragmatic about this. Number one, understand your customer. Number two, understand your business. How is your business evolving to be able to meet that customer today and how that a customer is evolving? And then number three is, 
what pieces of data and technology are going to help that process and that business transformation take place and focus there. The rest of it, quite frankly, can can slide by the wayside at this stage because you're not going to be able to do it all. But if you focus on those pieces, and as Isaac said, you do it well, that will then give you the air cover to be able to do other things. But for right now, in this pandemic, in this economic downturn, we have to focus on what matters most. And what matters most is the customer, it's our stakeholders, it's our business, and being able to do that in a meaningful way at a reduced spend level. And so that's where innovation comes into play. Strategic innovation comes into play using data, artificial intelligence, machine learning, automation in smart ways, not just applying it like peanut butter, but be very smart about how you use technology. Another comment from Twitter, and this is from Paige Francis, and she points out, keep the focus more on business outcomes and less on the need for ego stroking. The foundation must be strong. Own it. A bar, a low bar is the best part bar to start with. You know, I'll, I'll call it out. And I uh, presented, I had the opportunity to present at a women in technology conference uh, a year or so ago. And one of the things I said on stage was, you know, IT is an old boys club. It is what it is. And one of the things that that tends to spawn off is this egocentric culture. We have to get beyond that. We have to bring diversity into the mix. Diversity is a strength, not a weakness. We have to change the way we think about our teams and our people and our staff and and the value that we deliver to the organization. And so I really welcome, you know, I've I've interacted with Paige a number of times. I really love her thinking. um, And so I would welcome more of that. You know, the entire industry needs a little bit of humility and humbleness. You know, that's part of learning uh, and part of helping your staff learn. Uh, about how the business is operating. That means that you can ask questions. And that means that when you put people on teams and you create agile structures and there's collaboration, there's diversity built into that thinking. And we know the statistics that diverse teams perform better. Shahid Masood says, what is required for him to upgrade himself from an IT director role to a transformational CIO role? The gap between CIO and one level below CIO is the biggest and hardest gap to cross in the IT organization, full stop. Um, And it's always been that way. The best thing you can do is go back to the fundamentals that Isaac and I have both talked about. Educate yourself on the business. Educate yourself on what your, your organization does, um, what it should do, what it shouldn't do. Um, understand what are sacred cows in your organization too. Understand things that you're doing that you've always been doing it and you're continuing to do it, but maybe you shouldn't do it. Um, But I think, again, that North Star is your customer and your business. When you start evolving and changing the way A, you talk, so the language you use, B, how you execute and what you execute on, people will start to notice pretty quickly. There is a wanted thirst across the organization for someone who can bring technology and data to the forefront. So don't think that people don't want it. People are desperate for it. They just don't know how to ask for it. And so if you can start to demonstrate that you can deliver 
on those principles that we've talked about in the last 45 minutes or so, you will start to get noticed and magical things will start to happen. Another question from Ben Haynes. What skills should a CIO be recruiting for in his or her leadership team now? Isaac? You know, leaders need to be highly versatile in the different areas that you're assigning them. So I'm going to try to put the two questions together. You need people on your team who are willing to get out of their comfort zones, right? I'm going to hire a head of app dev. I'm going to hire a a chief data officer. I'm going to hire maybe a head of product. And then there's going to be a lot of things that fall into the gap. So first is, if you want to be positioning yourself out of this as as somebody who is CIO potential, in addition to the things that we've talked about, get out of your comfort zone. If you've been a, you know, a head of enterprise architect for 15 years, you're not CIO material because you haven't gotten out of your comfort zone, right? It's building up three or four different skilled areas, working in different areas of the business. That's going to show that diversity of thought and skill and practices that a CIO needs. And that's essentially what the CIO needs as well. If you hire a head of security, for example, very important role. If that head of security isn't interfacing with the business and figuring out how to make sure that you can impact the business, but also maintain risk, it's not going to work very well. So I think, you know, know, CIOs have to look at um, those skills that are versatile, but also look at skills that complement what they do well, right? If I'm not good at managing cloud or I'm not good at managing quality, look for people who are going to complement your skill sets. You know, look for someone like an Isaac or a Tim that, you know, maybe Isaac has a background in applications and Tim has a background in infrastructure. Okay, but can I take Tim and put him in charge of applications and how well would he do? And the same thing for Isaac. Mm-hmm. You need to have people that can pick up these other areas and do them well and lead those teams. Again, I think it's more soft skills than hard skills, but look at the networks that they kind of bring around them. You know, who follows them? It's not just CIOs here, even lieutenants and people further in. Who is looking to them for advice and leadership? And those are the folks that I would really look for. And we have one more question coming in from Brian Lilly. And he says, how to lead IT, the leadership qualities, the best practices in a globally distributed organization that is probably not coming back to the office anytime soon. So the leadership in a distributed environment, how do you do, how do, you do it? What advice do you have? What are your thoughts? I think it's about setting principles so that people in your organizations can make decisions and work collaboratively together. You know, you think about, you know, the world a year ago, you know, you could get on planes, you know, 12 times a year and visit different offices or get in front of customers or go to, you know, go to a, a trade show and learn something. All that is much more difficult today. And, you know, you could have a meeting for eight hours to get to consensus around something. It might have been inefficient, but you got to an answer around something. That's very difficult to do today. So I look at how are you empowering your teams to understand what's important, what are their guardrails, how they should make decisions, how they're collaborating, and where they're making some wrong terms that they can course correct. And so as a leader, you have to set those principles and what's important and give your teams the room to actually execute after that. 
The other piece to that, and and I'll go to a mutual friend that Brian and I both have, um, said that, you know, he couldn't get on. He's a CIO, fellow CIO as well. He couldn't get on a plane and go to Asia to meet with the staff, but he could get on Zoom or or video conferencing and start to understand, um, you know, kind of what they're going through. Not everything is about business. It's about the people too. I mean, let's face it. You know, Isaac and I meet in New York City, and we might talk about business, but we're also going to talk about, hey, how are the kids? You know, how are things going for you? You have to find ways to learn more about the people and what makes them tick as well. And that connection, that personal connection, is something that is much harder to do at a distance, but it's something that we as leaders have to do. We have to find ways to create that connective tissue with our leadership teams and with our staff. And they have to be part of that equation. They have to understand the reasons why. Um, When you start to head down that path, it really creates a completely different dynamic and a different relationship you have with those folks. So again, it comes back to soft skills more so than hard skills. All right. I think our show for today is done. We'll have to do it again. We've been speaking with Isaac Sokolik and Tim Crawford. And gentlemen, thank you so much for taking your time and doing this today with us. Great being on the show with you, Tim. It's always uh, an honor being with you. (laughs) It's always a pleasure. I look forward to the next time. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. Thank you particularly to the people who joined in and asked questions. Check out CXOTalk.com. We have great shows coming up. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our newsletter. Do it. Thanks so much, everybody. I hope you have a great day and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.